Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity to be here and to worship you. And Lord, we humbly ask that you would speak to our hearts today as we gather for prayer and scripture reading and singing. And God, I hope that that is the cry of all of our hearts, that we truly do love you. And we acknowledge what you've done for us and the price you paid and how much we are truly indebted to you. So Father, as we gather, I pray that you would help us and teach us and shape us and mold us to be pleasing to you. That God, we don't just simply ask that what we do would be pleasing, but God, that you would show us what is truly pleasing to you. Father, help us to just come humbly before your throne this morning to acknowledge that, that none of us in this room, none of us who are watching or may listen to this later on, that we, none of us are complete. None of us have been perfected. Lord, we all have growing to do. We all have maturing to do. And God, that's why we come. We come humbly before you today because we acknowledge how much we truly need you in our lives, how much we need to grow, how much we need to mature. And I pray that you'd help us to do that today. Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be here. Lord, for all the ones who have been struggling with some health issues for a long time, we pray for them. For people with sicknesses and different situations in life, God, we lift them up to you today. And uh, God, we just ask that you would work and move in only ways that you can. We love you. This is your time. And I pray that we would tune in on you. We would drown the rest of the world out this morning. And we would focus on your glory and your honor. We love you and ask it all in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> As always, it's great to see you. We are winding down in our uh, series on fasting and prayer. And in the midst of this, you know, we've talked about a lot of different things. And, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I told you that we, we have to be careful not to just constantly have this agenda when we come before the Lord, whether it's just simply in prayer or if it's in fasting and prayer, that we're not just coming to him every time we go to the Lord, that we're not asking for something or we need something, but actually we acknowledge God for who he is, for what he's deserving of, and we love him and we're pursuing him and we desire a relationship with him. That's really important in our lives. And so as, as we move forward, and we talk about fasting and prayer. We're, we're focusing on a little different things this morning because everything that we've talked about so far, if you pursue fasting and prayer in our previous messages, have been really specifically things to kind of benefit you or help you in your life or in your relationship with the Lord. But today we're talking about intercession. Fasting and praying for intercession. And what that means is you are doing this on behalf of other people, whether or not they know it, whether or not they know that they need it, whether or not they've specifically asked you to intercede for them. But there's a calling and a need in our life to, to really fast and pray 
in a way that is interceding on behalf of someone else that we go to the Lord for them. As we talk about this today, I just want to go ahead and mention this and say this before you kind of tune out, because some of you are in here saying, look, fasting and praying isn't particularly something that I am even willing to do for myself, much willing to do for anyone else. Well, let me challenge you by just going ahead and starting off and saying that if you are committed to fasting and praying on behalf of someone else, there's really not a whole lot in life that you can do that's more Christ-like than interceding on someone else's behalf. If you want to say that you're a Christian this morning, that you believe in God's Word, that you trust in Jesus Christ, and you claim to be a believer, you're called to be like Christ. And there's nothing more Christ-like that you can do than to deny yourself things of the world in order for someone else to benefit from that. That's exactly what Christ did with his entire life. And so as we read our passage this morning, we're we're looking back at the Old Testament again. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 9. And we're going to start with verse 3. And then we're going to skip to verses 18 through 23. Okay? So let's read this together. Daniel chapter 9 verse 3. And as Daniel uh, says, he said, So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. So Daniel, just kind of give you an idea, Daniel's pretty old at this time, late 70s, early 80s. They've been in Babylon in in what's approaching to be almost 70 years. The time's coming. Daniel has read from the prophet Jeremiah that they were supposed to spend 70 years in exile, and then after that 70 years, they would be able to return back to Jerusalem and and go back and live in the promised land that God had given them. So, excuse me, he has read this, He realizes that this time is coming, and now he has committed himself to fasting and praying and and devoted himself on behalf of his people, Israel. Because think about this. Daniel is, like I said, upper 70s, maybe early 80s. He's not making the 750-mile trip that lasts four months. He's in Babylon till the day he dies. So when he's seeking the Lord, he's not doing this so that he can go back to Jerusalem and see the the promised land one last time and and experience that for himself. No, he's seeking the Lord and fasting and prayer because he knows that there's a nation of people who belong to God who need to be in the land that God has given them, living underneath God's authority and able to serve him as God has commanded them to do so. And so he's fasting and praying so that other people will benefit from what he's choosing to give up. You understand that today? All right, so let's skip to verse 18. Daniel continues on. Oh my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. You need to take note of how Daniel's approaching the Lord in this. We're going to talk more about it later. In verse 19, he says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. O my God, for your people and your city, bear your name. In verse 20, he goes on to say, I went on praying and confessing my sin... And the sin of my people, 
pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. And he explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I am here to tell you what it was. For you are very precious to God. So listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. So point number one I want us to see this morning is, is that as we are approaching our Father, and we're trying to do that in a way where we're not just coming to Him with an agenda. You remember we compared it to kind of like teenage kids, and this is no offense to teenagers. I was a teenager. I've done this, and I'm sure that I still do this, even as a, a late 30-year-old, that you know sometimes your parents don't necessarily feel like you want anything to do with them until you want something from them. And that can be kind of annoying. And we have to be really careful not to do that with God. So in an effort not to come across and present yourself in a way that could be annoying to our Father, because if we love Him, if we acknowledge Him, and we acknowledge what the sacrifice that Christ made for us, there should be a difference in the way that we approach God than just only coming to Him when we need something. So point number one is you have to acknowledge the truth. Okay, And Daniel does an amazing job of this because Daniel acknowledges that he and the people of Israel do not deserve anything. You with me this morning? They acknowledge, God, I don't deserve anything. The people of Israel don't deserve anything. And, And he says in verse 18, we make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. And a lot of times I think we as people, we approach God with this attitude of, okay, God, I gave this up for you. I committed to following you. You know, I, you, know you, you asked me to do this, and I've done this, and I've played ball, and I, I've, I've done you know, pretty much everything. I'm not perfect, but I've done a lot to try to get, you know, do what you've asked me to do. And God, I, I just feel like I, I need you to do this. And so we just kind of like make this plea of, all the things that we've done and kind of why we deserve what we're asking for. And we have to be really careful that as we approach God that we're not trying to convince him of what we deserve because in truth you and I deserve nothing. And Daniel realizes that. And I think it's pretty fair to say that when you read about Daniel uh, in the book of Daniel, he's one of the best examples of a faithful follower of God that we have. You don't really read anything negative about him. And he's very faithful for 70, you know, we get 70 years of his life from a young man as he goes into Babylon till he's an old man, that he's continually faithful, he's continuing honoring God, whether it's like the littlest things with with prayer or big things or, or, you know, just seeking the Lord, honoring God, and from the change of the Babylonians to the Persians to the Medes, and, and as these kingdoms and these empires are changing, as kings are changing and rulers it's like the script just constantly gets flipped and he's continually faithful and he continues to face. And even, you know, when you read Daniel in the lion's den, he's like 80 years old when he gets thrown in the pit. And you don't think about that because all the children's books puts him as this young like, kid being thrown in the lion's den. He's an old man. And, you know, it would be a lot of us, if we were in that, it's like, God, I've served you faithfully my whole life. Why are you going to let me get thrown in a den of lions? Like, we would be frustrated with that. But Daniel faithfully serves God over and over again, and he comes to the Lord in the midst of this, and he's praying, he's like, God, we don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything. The people don't deserve anything. We're coming to you because of your mercy. 
And as we approach God, especially on behalf of someone else, because this morning you may have someone in mind, as we talk about fasting and prayer for intercession of someone, if you're pleading on someone's behalf, and you may already have someone in your, on your mind, on your heart right now, that you know, I probably need to do that for them. Like they're in a position, a situation in life where they need someone to cry out to God for them whether it's for a spiritual issue, a physical issue, because people have all kinds of things in their life where they, they, they need the Lord, they need God to intervene, but they're beaten down physically, emotionally, spiritually, and it doesn't matter whether they're saved or not because many of you can think of a time where you were extremely close to the Lord and you feel like, like you were filled with the Spirit and you felt like your relationship with God was amazing at that moment, and right now, maybe you just feel like, oh, I'm, I'm drained, man. I'm empty right now. I don't have anything. And you can't really put your finger on it. You can't say why, but you just feel it and you know it. So whether or not somebody knows it or they don't know it, there's somebody in your life that you could be interceding for right now. But as you approach the Lord, your God, and, and you know, I always think about parents interceding on their child's behalf, because that's probably going to be one of the things you lean towards. I will tell you, no matter how much you love that little rascal, they don't deserve anything. Okay, so when you plead on it, like, don't come to the Lord and say, oh, but they're such a good kid, and they have a good heart, and blah, blah, blah. No, like, they're, we're all sinners, we're all evil. We're prone to sin. We've all rebelled. We've all fallen short. Jesus Christ died to save us all from our sins. We are in debt to him for all of eternity for the price that he paid for our eternal souls. We deserve nothing. But thank God that he's merciful. And thank God that he's willing. Thank God that he made a way 2,000 years ago to make sure that everyone could come to him could be rescued, could be saved, could have eternal life, could have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of God's mercy, we can approach His throne, not because we deserve it, but because God is merciful. And Daniel, who was extremely faithful, one of those people who probably could have said, God, you know I've, I've served you faithfully for 70 years now. I've given everything to you. My life's been put on the line multiple times. I've been threatened with death, been thrown in the lines then. You know, it's, it's just kind of like... God, you got to hear me on this one, man. Like, I, I deserve this. So many times we as people, we come to the Lord with this attitude of, of when we approach Him that we, we kind of deserve what it is that we're about to ask for. And the truth is, we don't deserve anything. When you look at Jesus, we claim to be followers of Christ. We, can't, we claim to believe in Him and trust in His love and mercy. We claim to believe in His Word. You look at what Jesus got in his life. He got death, punishment. He got rebellion. He got betrayed. He got abandoned. And we all know the suffering and death that he endured on the cross. And when you think about that, if that's what Jesus got, and we claim to be followers of Christ, and Scripture says that if you want to live with Christ, then you have to die with Him as well. If you want to be my follower, you've got to take up your cross, and you've got to follow me. Now think about that. So if you sit here this morning, and you start coming to the Lord, and you're saying, Lord, I, you, if we try to claim what we deserve, in fact, we deserve everything that Christ got. And so if you ask for what you deserve, I think we would be pretty fearful of what we would actually get. Because we all deserve what Christ got. But instead, he's merciful. So he pleaded 
on behalf of God's mercy. So point number one, we acknowledge truth. Point number two, I think it's important that you got to deal with the sin. It's really interesting here that you look at Daniel and you look at his life and you look at how great he represented the Lord in so many different venues. And yet as he's approaching God, he's acknowledging his own sin as well as the sin of all of God's people. And it's no secret that we're all sinners, right? We're all sinners, okay? I am a sinner. And as sinners, you and I have a nature within us that's prone to sin. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you because, you know, Christians get a bad rap because there are some people who try to act very holy and very apart from sin and try to put on a good show and things like that. But the truth is, is that we're all sinners, and everybody knows it. God knows it. You should know it and know it about yourself. And even though you may be sitting here this morning and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and right now your relationship with Christ may be better right now today than it's ever been in your entire life, and you feel strong in the Lord, and you feel like God is speaking and working and moving through you, you still need to acknowledge that you are a sinner. And that there's a nature within you that is prone to sin. And it's very common, and it's something that everyone deals with. And it's not just something that you deal with as an individual, but it's something that we deal with as groups of believers. And when you read the New Testament, so much of what the epistles was writing about, or the, the apostles were writing in their epistles, was that you had all these people that were still struggling with sin. They had received Christ, but yet they're still struggling with things of the world. And you have Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, where Paul's writing to the church in Galatia. And he's addressing this issue of sin that's still like they're dealing with this and they don't exactly know how to handle it because they've been saved, they've been fit baptized, they've been filled with the Spirit, and yet they're still struggling with sin. And so Paul writes and he says, the sinful nature wants to do evil. There's something in you that will desire evil. And for each person that looks very different, some of you may be more, more prone to one thing than another, but we all have something in us, and it could be anger, it could be lying, it could be like still, you know, whatever. You just name a vast array of sins, and each of us are drawn to different things. That nature pulls at us. But he says, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So you can be filled with the Spirit and living for the Lord, and yet there is something within you that is still fighting for, for sin and things of the world. And those, those two natures are clashing because as we are filled with the Spirit, we want to serve God, we love the Lord, we have this revelation of what Christ has done for us. We acknowledge the debt that we owe and we're trying to live for Him and we feel empowered at times with the Spirit like we're inconquerable in moments. And yet, like that, temptation presents itself. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're living a life full of sin or you're committing habitual sin. But it could just be that man, like, you know, at work the other day, somebody made you mad and you lost it and maybe you sinned in something you said or a thought that you had, or you didn't guard your, your, uh, your purity in a moment, or, you know, it's like, whatever. 
Whatever it is, maybe, you know, somebody made you mad, cut you off on the road, and you sent them a signal that wasn't Christ-like. But we have moments where the flesh comes out and it presents itself in us, even though we are filled with the Spirit. You've got to be aware of that. And Paul says these two forces are constantly fighting against each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So you have to deal with the sin. And this morning, I encourage you as believers that as you are fasting and praying, whether it be for your own needs or whether you're interceding on someone else's behalf, I want to encourage you and remind you today that if there is sin in your life, you are not going to have the complete access to God that you need in order to see God working and moving in your life to the full potential. If there's sin in your life, whether it's one sin or lots of sin, or maybe it's even sin that you don't know. And that's why King David wrote in the Psalms, or, or yes, Psalms, where he said, Lord, forgive me if there's any sin in my heart that I'm unaware of. Reveal it to me so that I can repent of it and be united with you fully. And so for us as believers to, to not be so conceited in ourselves or in our walk or even in our feeling of the Spirit in times to forget that we are still sinners and there could be sin in our life. There might be sin in our life. And if there is, we need to address it and deal with it. We need to address the sin that's in the people's life that we're interceding for. Because I'm going to tell you, as, as important as the physical is. If you have somebody in your life who's dealing with physical issues and you want to pray and fast and, and intercede on their behalf, the sin that's in their life is much more important than the physical ailment that they're dealing with. If you believe in Scripture, if you believe what you say that you believe about God and you claim to be a Christian, then you have to acknowledge that the sin in their life is more important to be dealt with than the physical issue at hand. Right? Right? Everyone that was brought back to life in the Bible, they still died. Every sickness and disease that was healed, those people, they still died. Every one of them had to face a Father in heaven who judged them and granted them access to eternal life or eternal death. The spiritual is so much more significant than the physical. And so we have to address the sin. Got to deal with the sin first. Point number three, nothing is more Christ-like than intercession. I said that a while ago, but I want to say it again. I want to make sure you write it down and get that. Nothing is more Christ-like than intercession. When you look at what Daniel is doing here, and he's pleading and crying out on behalf of the people of Israel, he's not doing it for himself. He's doing it because he believes in God he believes in the nation of Israel that God has set up. He believes in the people that God has chosen. Daniel understands that the Messiah, God's son, is going to be brought forth through Israel and that most of his ministry is going to take place in Jerusalem and around Judea and in Nazareth. 
Daniel understands like what's at stake here. And he knows that it's bigger than him, no matter whether he ever gets to see it or he ever goes back. He knows that God has a plan and he's interceding on behalf of someone else. And Daniel is fasting and he's praying. And even as an elderly man... He's giving up things of the world so that the people of Israel, who probably don't even know that he's praying for them right now, can benefit from his prayers and his intercession. There's nothing more Christ-like than that. So much we love to focus on Jesus dying on the cross. But the sacrifice that Jesus made is so much more than just that last few days of his life. It encompasses his entire life from birth.